we talked here about uh, Jesus being a name above every other name. Well, he's not that name above every other name just because he says so. Uh, saying it so doesn't make it so. But the truth is, if you were to look at world history, Jesus is simply the head barber if you're going to look at spiritual stuff. It's just, there's nobody like him. When you read his teaching, it just has an incredible ring of truth. You ever notice when politicians make big speech, speeches, they often throw in words from Jesus just because it has that authority to it. And so we're going to be looking at that today. We're looking at a sermon series called Beyond Order. Just getting things ordered is great. Getting our relationship with God put together is fine. Getting our sins forgiven is great. But going beyond that, beyond the ordinary, beyond our walls, beyond ourselves, beyond the limitations that we put on ourselves, is going to be the key to this, this whole message. Because today's passage has to do with asking, seeking, and knocking. And that sounds like such a positive, friendly thing. I remember going to uh, church camp, and we'd sing songs about asking, seeking, and knocking. And the sense that the Lord will you know, answer those, isn't that nice? We have something we want. We ask the Lord. He gives it to us. Well, that's all fine and good. But what about the things that we don't want to find out about? The things we don't want to ask about, the things we don't want to seek, and the things we don't want to knock on the door, because we hope that the door will stay locked. Who here has heard the phrase, he or she is his own worst enemy? We've all heard that. And we often put limits on what God can do with us. I just want you to know that I want to be the very best version of me I can be that God made me to be. And the truth is, I'm not there yet. And I need to push beyond coasting. I need to push beyond comfort to do that. I need to ask, seek, and knock some uncomfortable questions if I'm going to develop as a person. If I'm going to become the person that God made me to be, I'm going to have to get really honest with him, and I'm going to have to ask, seek, and knock about some things I'd really rather not talk to God about. Because God is not holding me back. The devil is not holding me back. I'm the person that holds me back. Who can relate to this, that you're your own holder backer? You're the person that holds yourself back, and there's things in our lives that keep us from becoming the best version of ourselves. So asking, seeking, and knocking is going to be our passage, if you want to look at uh, Luke 11, verse 9. And I want to show you one thing before we look at the passage. Getting forgiven is easy. Getting victory over the bad sectors in our lives is hard, and it takes time. And it's not going to happen in one day. But we do have to commit to it. We have to commit to the truth about us, the truth about what's going on around us, and the only way forward is committing to that truth. Getting victory over bad sectors is hard. I remember getting my first computer. It was a double floppy computer with no hard drive. Who remembers real floppies when they were actually floppy? This uh, Half of you are looking at me like, what is he talking about? But there really were floppy disks that were floppy at one time. About Yeah, about that big. And you'd stick them in there. And I once got a 15 megabyte hard drive for a lot of money and the guy said that's all you'll ever need you know which i think is just just kind of funny it's like a postage stamp now but uh i got this computer and every once in a while i had to defrag it who remembers defragging and there'd be little red spots on there where those are the bad sectors on the disc 
we all have bad sectors. The Bible says, if we say we have no sin, the truth, uh, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Getting forgiven for those sins is easy. It takes five seconds. Seriously, God is there to forgive. God can forgive your sins in five seconds. But wouldn't you rather also get rid of the bad sectors? Because in my life, it's the bad sectors that are keeping me from becoming the person that God wants me to be, that he created me to be. So I want to be forgiven for those things, but I also want to clean the hard drive. And I want to have all of those megabytes, even though I'm like only a 15 megabyte person, I want to have them all working right so that I can do what God wants me to do so I can quit being my own worst enemy and the one who holds myself back. Now, if you can't relate to this, that you you never hold yourself back, you can just go out and have some coffee and donuts. We'll join you later. That's the denial thing. John's leaving because he's... Uh, We, we ought not to be in denial about this because there is a great joy in being what God made us to be. There's a great joy in using your gifts. There's a great joy in watching people use their gifts, watching our praise team up here doing things that are just amazing. They talk about, oh, we're going to play this in C or G. I have no idea what they're talking about. It's just, it's just this whole other world of music. And they do all this stuff, and it's beautiful because they're using their gifts. But that took thousands of hours of practice to do. It didn't happen just because, oh, God, give me the gift of music, and they started playing. It didn't work that way. If you've ever tried to play a guitar chord, learning one chord is hard. Learning a whole bunch of them is a whole other thing. And so getting forgiven for our sins, God will do it right now, and you will not be held liable for them, and that's the way it works. Grace is real. But I want to get beyond grace. I want to get beyond order. And I want to start fixing the things in my life that need fixing. One thing I love about 12-step groups, and some of you have been part of 12-step groups, is they are ruthless in keeping lies out of the group. There's always someone in a 12-step group who is just like a lie detector. Uh, you could call it a BS detector, a lie detector, or what do you want to call it? But there's always someone who calls people on things and in, just insists on people being honest with each other. And it's one of the first steps to actually growing in our faith. So let's look at our passage today. It's uh, Luke 11, verse 9. And it's up on the screen, so I'd like everyone to read it together with me. One, two, three. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now, that's all fine and good if we're asking for something good. But what if we're asking for help in fixing the bad sectors? God promises to come through and help us fix those things. But we have to get honest with him to do that. So asking, seeking, and knocking is one of those things which we tend to be selective about. We tend to want to ask, seek, and knock about the things that make us happy, and uh, we don't want to ask, seek, and knock about the things that hold us back. Have you ever met people whose personality is so abrasive and nobody dares tell them? And they go through life continually alienating people, and people don't want to hurt their feelings, so they don't tell them. And there's quirks in their personality that keeps them from working with anyone in a team, and it just doesn't work out, and you say, I wish I could just have... Who here has had the temptation to go to another town, write a postcard to the person so they couldn't tell it's you, and it'll be postmarked somewhere else, that you really need to stop doing this or that or the other thing? And you know what? There's things about us that do that to people too. And 
the Lord promises to show us what those things are. He'll send us the postcard. All we have to do is ask, seek, and knock. Lord, what about me is keeping me from being effective? What about me is keeping me from growing? What about me is keeping me from hitting a higher level with my life? What about me is keeping me from sustaining long-term relationships? What about me is keeping me from financial prosperity? You promised prosperity, but I'm doing stupid things to keep me out of it. So what, what kind of things do I need to learn? What is keeping me from, from getting healthy? What is, help, what is keeping me from getting fit? What is helping me from being strong? What is keeping me from the right vocation, using my time correctly? Oh, my goodness. I, I would love to waste time all the time because wasting time is like eating chocolate for me. I could just, I could just uh, look up things that aren't important. My wife calls me the trivia king. When people ask questions like, you know, what's the capital of Switzerland? I just know those things. And uh, I do because I wasted time looking them all up. And they're not that important. Because nowadays you can find anything online. You don't have to know those things. And so I, I could easily waste all kinds of time just watching YouTube videos on how to do this and how to do that, even if I'm never going to do them. Just because it's fun. And there's nothing wrong with a little fun. It really isn't. I, th I think we need to just have fun sometimes. But when that becomes our whole lives, we never get anything done. And what we need to do is we need to break those locks and look at the truth about ourselves and about what's going on around us. And who here thinks that our culture right now is lacking an ability to look at truth at all? Because so many people have such strong opinions that their emotions override anything logical. And they've just got these strong convictions about stuff that they just feel strongly about, but don't think really strongly about. They just feel it and they just go after each other. And I've seen friendships break up. I've seen relationships break up because people don't want to look at the truth. They want to keep their narrative at all costs, whatever that narrative happens to be, political, spiritual, theological, whatever it is. And, oh, we're going into it now with this big vote on the recall. Everyone's got a super strong opinion. And you know what? There's smart people that disagree about this. And the idea that we could actually listen to each other and pay attention is just beyond thinking because people have this gut sense about what has to happen. Who thinks our guts are not always as smart as actually truth? Uh, it, very often people get into this whole goofy thing of not wanting to look at the truth. And I'm as guilty as anyone else about this because I've got opinions. Boy, do I ever. And I don't like those opinions being challenged. What we need as Christians is an unusually stubborn attempt to think clearly. And it takes hard work to think clearly. It really does. It, it, needs, it means questioning the way you look at things and say, is what I'm thinking actually in line with what's really going on? Is there anything about the way I'm thinking that is at variance with the truth, as Richard Nixon said, because he couldn't say he was lying. He said, I, my, some of the things I did were at variance with the truth, those typical political way of... My, one of my favorite bumper stickers ever was in Anaheim. I was driving there and I uh, saw a bumper sticker, Nixon, now more than ever. I just thought that was just, just dead. <laughs> but uh, we, we, we look at politicians who don't tell the truth and we come down on them. But then how often do we spin the truth to make ourselves look good? How often do we share stories that make ourselves look strong, intelligent and important? And how often do we do we do those things rather than telling the truth about what we're doing? Don't you love it in a conversation when someone's actually vulnerable and they say, I really don't know uh, about this right now and I'm really having trouble with something. Could you help me? 
it's so rare because everyone's got everything figured out. And for people to actually be open to what's really happening is a key. And part of it starts with a radical decision not to lie anymore and not even to spin the truth. We did a sermon a few months back, tell the truth or at least don't lie. Now, telling the truth is hard because we often don't know the whole truth. We get a, I've, I've done all kinds of witnessing in, in court, and I promise to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And I don't know about you, but I don't know the whole truth about what's going on in the world. I do the best I can. I want to tell the truth, but the easy thing here to do is not to lie. It's hard to know the whole truth, but it's easy not to lie because every time you're about to tell a lie or spin the truth, guess what? A little warning light goes on in your head and says, that's not true. And who is that? That would be the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's convicting us, not condemning us, just telling us, who here has had that warning light go off? If you're starting to go off into a store and you're embellishing a little bit and you're going off, okay, the ding, 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 the little, little engine light goes on, because that's not true. And every time that happens, we need to tell ourselves, okay, I'm not going to tell that story that way. I'm not going to make that statement this way. I'm not going to overstate my political opinion. I'm just going to state it as I best know it. I'm not going to overstate it. I'm not going to say things like, I don't know. It, what drives me crazy is people talking about leaders. Republicans, Democrats, doesn't matter. Oh, what he really wants to do is this. I'm thinking, how do you know? I don't even know what I what my motivations are sometimes. To know someone else's motivation, oh, really, what he's really trying to do is this. I'm thinking, yeah, right. You know that? I've been married to Wendy for 40 years. I have no idea how her brain works. None. <laughs> I, I just look at her like mystified sometimes. Like, what is she thinking? I don't know. And these are people you've never met. People you've never met and you know exactly what their motivations are. I don't think you do. I don't think I do. And we need to treat them with a little bit of graciousness and actually take what they say and look at what they say and evaluate it. Is that true or not? We don't know what other people are thinking. We really don't. I do marriage counseling with couples sometimes. It's just hilarious. Well, she always thinks this or he always thinks that. And I'm thinking, how do you know? Do you have, a, do you have some insight into that person's brain? Of course we don't. If you have trouble knowing what to think from time to time or what your motivations are, we can't tell the motivations of other people. And giving them a little grace is not a bad idea. An unusually stubborn attempt to think clearly because the end light goes off. Tell the truth or at least don't lie. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, Anytime we are about to sin, God gives us a way out from under it. That's a promise. When we're about to tell a lie or spin the truth, the Holy Spirit will give us an exit ramp every single time. And we can count on that. And since we can count on that, let's, let's pay attention to the warning light. Who here has ever ignored the warning light? And uh, the warning light comes on, you just keep talking anyways. It happens all the time. And that's why it's so important to tell the truth, or at least don't lie. Part of the truth was so well figured out by two great theologians, Jimmy Buffett and Martin Luther. Uh, Margaritaville is actually a very spiritually profound song. He starts out saying, it's her fault. And by the end, he realizes that he has something to say about it. He's partly at fault himself, or maybe it's his whole fault. 
it's actually a process a lot of us go through. We need to take responsibility for things that go wrong in our lives, even if other people contributed to that. We need to take responsibility for our part because we can't make another person take responsibility for their part. Taking responsibility for things that go wrong in our lives, it moves us forward. Who here loves to be around people that blame everybody else for everything? It's awful. It's awful. It's the government. It's my friends. It's my ex. It's my my kids. It's my boss. It's uh, fill in the blank. And they blame everyone else for everything. And you know what I love? I love being around people who take responsibility for their lives. I've made mistakes, they'll say, and, and I take responsibility for that. And I'm moving forward. And I learned a lot from that, by the way. They often say that. We learn way more from our failures than from our successes. Are we willing to be teachable when we fail? Failure is not fatal, folks. It's, it's, part of, it's part of living. The most successful people I know have gone bankrupt a couple times, have made big mistakes, and they're cool with that. King David, huge mistakes. Huge mistakes. Probably the biggest mistake they make in the Old Testament. I mean, adultery and murder together, that's, that's up there. That's up there. But he was transparent about it, and he didn't blame someone else. Psalm 51 is one of the most beautiful, transparent psalms where he says, this is what I have done, and it's me. It's on me, and this is what I'm learning from it. It's, that's why he's a man after God's own heart, not because he didn't make mistakes, but because he was open about it, transparent about it. And we can be transparent with God, too. Chris's uh, husband, Tom, in our men's group, had a great phrase. He says, when you pray, he didn't mean this literally, because I didn't want to picture the men in my group this way, because it's not attractive. But he said, pray naked. And uh, he, he didn't mean, you know, take your clothes off. But what he's saying is pray, pray vulnerable with God. Pray knowing that he's omniscient anyways. And be really honest with him and ask, seek, and knock. Lord, if there's anything in me that is not of you, let me know so I can fix it. And you can fix it through me. God can fix anything in our lives. And I want to be the best, the best version of me. Martin Luther said, we are simul justus et peccator. And Kim mentioned this in her sermon a couple weeks ago. And basically, the line between good and evil runs down the middle of everybody. And if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And if we say we have no bad sectors, I was watching a video. I was watching a video. It's just hilarious. Last night, of the first church Wendy and I planted, you can find anything on YouTube. And I found the old church we planted in Washington. It's a beautiful building. We built the building there. And there was this heckler outside with a megaphone. And he was videoing. And he was, uh, he was, he was like broadcasting to everyone going to church. He says, you're all sinners. You're all going to hell, da, 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 da. Kind of one of the mean people that we see from time to time. And he was just on and on and on. And some people walked up to him and said, hey, brother, what are you, you, know, what are you doing here? What's going on here? And they were confronting him with this is not the fruit of the spirit. This is not patience, gentleness, self-control, and all this kind of stuff. He says, well, yeah, but you're going in there with sinners. And they said to him, you don't sin? He said, no, I don't sin. Uh, I quit sinning when Jesus saved me. I'm thinking, oh, boy. Uh, this guy's got a sector that is, you know, half red. And so it, it was just so many people tried so hard to talk to him in this video. They kept walking up to him and saying, you know, hey, come on in and praise the Lord with us. Come on in and let's let's confess our sins. Let's get them fixed. Let's work on this stuff. 
And the church is a hospital for sinners. No, you can't, you can't have fellowship with sinners. And uh, he's broadcasting with his megaphone. I'm just thinking, wow, uh, that's the exact opposite of what God wants us to be. God wants us to be open to looking at where that line is. And guess what, folks? We can move the line. We can move the line. We can become more sinless and less broken over time. That's called victory over sin. And that's what we want to be looking at and looking for. So we need to reject sin, death, and the devil and whatever parts they take in our lives and say no to those things. I'm going to say no to those things in my life. And I want to live out the truth. Stop repeating half-truths. Repeating things that... uh, aren't necessarily false, but are used just to make ourselves look good or to make other people look bad. This is why gossip is so nasty. I started uh, at breakfast with John last week, and I started gossiping just a little bit. And he says, we need to stop now because this is turning into gossip. And I thought, how cool is that? How cool is that? That That was the Holy Spirit speaking through John. And gossip is tempting. It's really tempting. And there it sits, and it's so easy to to talk a little bit bad about someone, and here's how Christians do it. We really need to pray for this person because this is what's going on. We need to share this for prayer. And really what it is is holy gossip. We had that in our church growing up. It was called a prayer chain, and it was just a phone call thing. They didn't really ever pray. They just called each other and talked about what was going on and just, you know, could you believe that? We're sharing this for prayer because she's really in trouble, you know, that kind of thing. So we need to stop repeating those things. Choose Jesus as the goal for your truth journey. As I mentioned before, if you're going to commit to truth, if you're going to commit to truth, there is nothing better than setting your sights on Jesus. That is by far the best way to like scope in your rifle if you're going to aim at something. We want to aim at the bullseye, and the bullseye would be Jesus. There is no better thing to aim at on this planet. And I've said this before, if you showed me something better than Jesus to aim at, I would aim at it. But there isn't anything. You look at Jesus, and it's as good as it gets in this world. And I am just so blessed to be able to focus on that. The two things I just I just take as givens in my life is I can trust the Bible, number one. And number two, that Jesus is the center of God's plan for the universe. I just really believe that. And that never has stirred me, steered me wrong, ever. We can focus on that. We can depend on that. John 14, 6 says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Nobody comes to the truth without listening to what I have to say. Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's John 14, verse 6. And we often say, I'm doing my best. Well, our best is not enough. And here's what I mean. I'm not asking you to strive. What I'm saying is our best is currently limited by our own putting limits on what that is. I could never go farther. I could never get better at this. I could never. We we do all kinds of things to limit ourselves. And in doing so, our best is limited by our own thinking. Very often, it's not other people that limit us. It's us. I could never do this. I could never do that. Alan and I are starting a new Alpha group, Alpha group course on September 8th. 
And here's the question I get every time I ask someone to be an alpha group leader. Oh, I, could, I couldn't do that. I don't know enough. All you have to do is love people, let the Holy Spirit do the heavy lifting, and help the conversation keep moving. And the Holy Spirit moves in the group every time. You don't have to be an expert to share your faith. Your faith, your testimony, this is why I love Stan's website, How I Met My Father. How I Met My Father is all personal stories about how people came to faith. And you can't argue with someone's personal story. Folks, when you're sharing your faith, you're not sharing theology, you're sharing your story. And what a difference the Lord has made for you. And that's the most powerful testimony you can ever give. You don't need a theological degree to do. I could never share my faith. I don't know enough. I hear that all the time. You know what God's done for you, so you can do that. We can do more than our best if we change what we think of as our best. We have to move the goalposts a little bit and make that happen. And here's the one thing, if you get nothing else from this message, get this one thing on this one slide. You and I are here. Our best self is out there. The only way, the only pathway from here to there is through a narrow door called the truth. Anything we do that is not truthful will lead us astray and we won't go through that door. And we'll get saved, we'll, we'll be forgiven and we'll go to heaven and that's all fine. But we'll go to heaven never having lived life the way God would have us live it. I'm not saying you're not saved if you don't go through that little door. Because a lot of messed up people are saved. A lot of messed up people are saved. I love uh, Johnny Cash's song, Slow Train Coming, where he talks about uh, uh, Judas driving the train with uh, John Wilkes Booth in it, that kind of thing. We be, might be surprised who came to faith in their last breath. We might be surprised by that. But who wants to live that way? I want to live in such a way that I am aiming at that narrow door called the truth. And I have to get rid of everything inside of me that keeps me away from that. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth shall make us free. But, folks, if we're not open to the truth, how can it make us free? If we're not open to the truth when it's uncomfortable, how can that make us free? Truth is a beautiful thing, but it is like a smelter. And I know a lot about smelters because I grew up next to one. Kellogg, Idaho, big lead and silver and zinc smelter right there in town. And we used to play on the slag piles. And the slag piles are tailings ponds. Uh, they're just gigantic. And it's all the stuff that gets burned off of the ore in order that they get the silver, the lead, and the zinc. And it's toxic. It's awful. It's ugly. It's smelly. And it was big as our town. The, the tailings were like mountains. You drive by Kellogg, Idaho, you'll see it. It's just huge. And it was big as our town, and we used to always play on them. But that's the stuff that needs to get burned away. If we open ourselves up to the flame of God's truth, stuff will get burned away, and it will be painful. Because we love hanging on to some of that stuff. The truth sets us free, but the truth also burns away bad stuff. You see, I want to get burned, bad stuff burned away, but I don't want to go through what it takes to get there. Who can relate to that? We want to get stuff burned away. It's like, it's like going to the dentist. 
I want my teeth to work really well, but I don't want to go through what it would take to get there because I just went through four ribbon canals, and that was no fun the last couple of weeks. And one of them failed, so I got to figure out what to do with that. But I've got to go through some pain there to get my teeth working right. And sometimes we have to go through some pain to really go after that truth. The truth sets us free, but it also burns things away. The Bible talks about God being a refining fire. And we don't like that part of it. We would like to just be affirmed as we are and just go on. Our whole culture is doing that. Everybody wants themselves 100% affirmed, no matter what they're doing. And that includes all of us. And the truth is, none of us should be fully affirmed. There's a lot of our stu- a lot of stuff in our lives that doesn't need to be affirmed. It's not healthy. It's not helping us. It's not helping us be our best self. It's painful because we cling to what we sh- we cling to what we shouldn't be. We cling to our old self, and we cling to that stuff that keeps us from being what we could be. On the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, "If sin." If, uh, if your eyes or your, your hands cause you to sin, cut them out. He was using Middle Eastern hyperbole. But the point is, if there's a part of you, if there's a part of you that is keeping you from being your best self, get rid of it. Let it be burned away. Let it be burned away. It's just going to be baggage. Let it go. Don't hang on to this because we don't want to cling to what we shouldn't be. Listen to the Spirit's voice. I talked about that, how he says, that's not true from time to time. And we need to say, all right, that's true. It's not true. I need to be careful about what I'm saying. Who thinks we'd talk a lot less if we were more concerned about the truth? Uh, it, because we'd actually weigh our words. This is why I like introverts. Introverts actually think before they talk. It's really kind of nice. You've got to have a few introverts in every meeting because they actually think about things before they shoot their mouths off. And it's wonderful to have them in meetings because they weigh their words before they share them. I'm going to close here in just a minute and invite the, the worship team up. Wendy and I went to a place called Dachau in Germany, and it's a very, fairly scary place. It was a concentration camp that the Nazis put together. And there's a, there's a structure there of mangled barbed wire and and, uh, sculpture of people struggling in the barbed wire. And underneath it says in German, nie wieder, which means never again. What's scary about going to a place like that is you realize that all of us, sounds crazy, all of us would be capable of doing some of that stuff. All of us have the capacity to do wonderful things and terrible things. And under peer pressure, it's amazing what people will do. They've done psychological experiments where they have everybody, they're like actors in a group, and they all say something that's patently false, and the person often ends up going along with it, even though he or she knows that it's totally false, because we start to march in step with what's happening. And if we, if we understand that we are capable of some pretty horrible things if we don't attend to them. Oh, that could never happen to me. People, there were German soldiers who were great husbands, great fathers, went home to sing Christmas carols with their families and flipped switches at places like Dachau. 
It is possible. It is possible to do terrible things if we let those bad sectors get out of hand. And if we can say, no, I'm capable of that, but I'm never going to do that. I'm capable of some really bad things, but these handful of things I'm never going to do. And we reject those things. Luther called that rejecting sin, death, and the power of the devil. Because it is potential in everybody. And if we're really honest about that, if you've been living back there at this time, who knows what we would have done. But I do believe that there were people who said no. And those people said no because they decided ahead of time they weren't going to do these things. We're not going to take part in this. I'm sure they suffered for it socially, probably even died for it. But there are some things where we have to just say, I reject that part of me. And until we realize that could have been me, we can't really reject that part of us. The Apostle Paul, of all people, said, chief of sinners, though I, though I be, he realized he had the potential for bad stuff. And that's why his life was so powerful. He was in touch with that part of himself that was broken and needed fixing. And it's out of that we, we can get the power we need for life. I'd invite everyone to stand. We're going to go into a time of praise and worship. And those of you who are watching at home, just uh, invite you too to uh, just stop whatever you're doing and pay attention. Because I'd like to lead everyone in a spoken response thing. And you might be doing this for the first time. You might be doing this for the 30th time. But as a commitment to truth, I would just invite you to join me in prayer. I'd like you to close your eyes. and I'd like you to picture that you're in a place outdoors where there's a dark storm outside. And, and off in the distance, maybe 100 yards away, there's a bright door but it's so narrow you can barely fit through it, and the word above it is truth. And I would like you to pray with me out loud in response. Heavenly Father, it is only through that door that I can be the very best that you've made me to be. And I reject sin, death, and the power of the devil and anything that will keep me from going through that door. I commit to the truth. Your word is truth. And as you look at that door, on the other side of that door is Jesus. And it's so bright that his brightness is coming through the door. And if you would, just repeat after me. I will focus on your son, and I will walk through that door, ruthlessly seeking truth about myself, so I can join your son on the other side of that door. And I commit to following him for the rest of my life. Send your Holy Spirit 
to set off warning lights. If I start to veer from pointing at that door, because I want to run toward that door with everything I have. And Heavenly Father, I pray that you give us joy in that running, joy in that focus, joy in following your son, joy in committing to you. Lord, we're so grateful for your forgiveness, but more, even more than that, we want all that you have for us. We want to move beyond forgiveness to victory. And it's only in your son that we're going to find that. Lord, nothing's going to keep us on the straight and narrow that isn't fantastic and wonderful. And your son is wonderful and fantastic. Help us today to pass the test or we're tempted to shade the truth, spin the truth, or say something that isn't true. Lord, some of us who are older, we don't even really remember what happened. We just remember remembering. and Maybe we should leave that alone and just stick with what we know. Help us to pass that test, Lord. And we give you thanks for your, your reckless love, Lord, that comes after us when we go astray. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
don't deserve it. Still you keep yourself away. Rolling over will be never that prayer for the first time, I hope you'll tell somebody before you leave today, and if you're watching on TV, whether live or 20 years from now, let us know that you've prayed this prayer to commit to the truth. A ruthless commitment to living in line with the truth. And we trust that the Lord's going to lead us to that with His reckless love. He's chasing after us. And for those of you who really feel a strong need to underline this decision today. I invite you to get baptized. We're not very legalistic about baptism here at the well. We baptize people who feel led to be baptized. It's that simple. And baptism is a is a ritual drowning to those bad sectors, to sin, death, the power of the devil, to untruth, to things that aren't true, to lies. We invite you to get baptized. And if you don't live anywhere near us, find a local church. I guarantee you they'll be happy to see you if you ask to get baptized. 
I'm not saying you have to get baptized if you've made that decision today. I'm just saying that it's a wonderful way to put power behind it and to experience it with your fullness of who you are. So bless you in your walk. Your walk in the truth. And we'll be there with you every step of the way. That's what we do here at the well. spoke the word Christian. In the book of Acts, the Christian faith was called the way. Haderic in Hebrew, Ahodos in Greek. It's a pathway. And it's a straight pathway. Because it goes the most direct route to the glory of God. In my prayer for all of you, I want to bless you with an inner compass to keep you on that path this week path of truth, the path of life. And let's help each other with that. When we catch each other straying, let's go after the one lost sheep, if it's one of us, as Kim was singing, trusting that uh, the Lord's love is going to flow as we stay on that path. I am so blessed to... uh, Be like one beggar telling other beggars where to get food. That's what we do here. This is something I need to work on too. Let's work on this together. Have a great week. Let's hang around and uh, basically let's hang around afterwards until uh, all the food's gone. That'd be a good idea. And uh, get to know some people you don't know that well. Uh, There's new people here at the church. We'd love to just ask, you know, I know they've got a name tag, but say, tell me your name anyways. And uh, get to know them and stay around for a while. And uh, have a great week, and we'll see you next week. Next week is going to be how to keep joy in our relationships. Who think God cares about our relationships and wants those things to thrive? He's a relational God, and we want to we want to bring joy into our relationships and maintain it there. So let's have a great week. And uh, Tamara was preaching over at the Methodist Church today. They had an emergency, and they needed a preacher, so uh, she'll probably be coming back pretty soon. 
So uh, say hi to her on the way back and uh, grab some coffee and grab a treat and uh, don't leave until it's all gone. We'll talk to you soon.